0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of UJ Sports Live. My name is Rodney and I am joined by, as usual, Dane Young, who I can't get rid of. He's like a cold sore. He just keeps coming back. You then, keep course, paying me. I keep coming back. That's how it goes, buddy. And we have a new infection on the site. We have uh, Russ right. Tanner joining us. So uh, Russ is here uh, to, to fill in for Coach Don. And Coach Don is actually out in Oklahoma. And uh, he, he's like, I'll be happy to do the show with you guys. I'm like, Coach, you're traveling all day today. Take the week off, you know. Enjoy your family. He's out there for graduation. I, I, I'm telling you, he is the consummate professional. He was willing to travel all day and then jump on and do the show with us if we wanted to do it at noon. The minute he landed in the airport or tonight after he'd been traveling all day, we're like, Coach, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get Russ on there. It's a step down, but hey, it is definitely. A step we step can't down. all be winners.
1: Hey, shout out to Coach Downen's family. though. graduations are a big deal, and I know he's uh, pumped to be there. So. Uh, It's going to be a fun weekend for them in Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, I'm very happy he's out there and he's doing that. But of course, we get the the legendary Russ Tanner on with us. And Russ, uh, the last time we had you on the show, you were doing the watch along with us. We had that Charleston Southern game and a complete blowout, but that was fun. It was a lot of fun. We did that over at uh, Classic City Eats uh, in their big TV room where you can do the, uh, they have the big uh, golf simulator back there. Uh, I thought about actually you and me meeting over there at Classic City Eats and doing it again, but eight o'clock at night, they're busy. They got the restaurants hopping, so I didn't want to put that on them, you know, but
2: no, we're we're good, man. I'll just sit here in my dining room with the fine china on the wall behind me with this crummy South Oconee County internet. So uh hopefully we'll better get a few questions and comments in before the uh the interwebs crash on us out here. Well
0: though,
1: man, the is typical for our show so you're from Wrightsville. I thought the fine china was the paper plates.
2: That's why we got that on the wall, buddy right if we don't eat <laughs> We don't eat on anything that's not made out of paper. So yeah. Yeah,
0: flip it over. It says Dixie on the back. Man, I love it. Uh right. quick right. shout out to our other sponsors, Athens forward, Your Pie, Academia, and Dead Soxie. We appreciate all of them sponsoring our show. And uh we got a lot of questions, but I'm gonna give you thirty seconds, Russ, to tell us about your business.
2: My business. Oh man, your I didn't business. know I get to do an infomercial. I appreciate it, man. Um yeah. I'm well your your
0: business. your business is important right now.
2: Yeah yeah, yeah. We need We need people to buy some houses. Yeah, I'm in the mortgage business, man. been doing it for uh, 16 years here in town. There it is, BOE Classic Lending Group. Our team's right there in Watkinsville. And, uh, yeah, man, I apparently like it pretty good. I've been doing it. uh, It's the only paying job I've ever had outside of uh, anything football related. So, uh, that's it. (laughs) Wait, you didn't get one of those big NIL deals
0: deals when you came to Georgia? They didn't give you a lot of money under the table? (laughs) You know, I had a
2: guy give me 50 bucks one time and told me to go buy the guy something nice. But I went down to Bulldog Diner, where it was always free for us. Rest in peace, Mr. Bob. So, uh, you know, that's, that's about the extent of my uh, corrupt dealings.
0: 50 bucks. All right. There goes your eligibility. You're done. But it brings up the bigger point. You did play for the University of Georgia. You busted your butt out there. You played on some great teams. We have a lot of questions from the folks in the dog events, some folks on uh, Twitter and Facebook. And if you folks have a question, drop your question in the comment section. We'll get to it uh, after we get through those. But, Russ, I was there – In the stadium, I looked up, saw people just bawling their eyes out. Uh, You saw all the reaction videos we did. Dane put together a collage of people, you know, filming themselves in their houses, jumping up and down, celebration. People who were inside the stadium, filming Keely Ringo's pick sex. You know, just the pure joy. I mean, the joy of like getting married or having the birth of a child. I mean, it was that (laughs) life-changing for these people. Uh, But it means more to guys that actually went through the program. You came to Georgia, you know, trying to win a championship, you know, you had your ups and downs, but then your brethren, they did it. So what is it like as a former player to see Georgia hoist that trophy to get those rings?
2: Yeah, man, it's, it's special. It really is. And, um, you know, I think about, um, you know, think about my family, think about my wife who um, was born in Athens, has multiple degrees from UGA been going to games her whole life. You know, she cried like a baby. (laughs) <laughs> um, I think about I've got cousins that have been to every game that have happened for the last thirty years. Um, I've got friends that are diehard, and all, and like everybody, it's amazing. It's, all, it's awesome to be able to talk through that. But man, to be on a group text thread with my old offensive line buddies, with you know some of the old quarterbacks and some of our other players we played with, and just to to be able to talk about um, that brotherhood kind of hoisting that trophy for the first time. feeling feel like you were a piece of that. You were one of the foundation blocks that was laid that was built on up and up and up. I mean, it's special. It's something that, uh, you know, I feel like I can say we won the national championship. <laughs> and uh, unlike, fair. I say we as the Braves won it, I um, actually feel like uh, there's a little bit of credence to that. So it was, it was awesome. Um, it's just a, it's something that I've obviously never experienced in my life. I'm 39 years old. So, you know, I've never seen Georgia win that. And I was a part of that class and a Coach Rick that came in that we always kind of talked about knocking the ceiling off the program, knocking the glass ceiling off. You know, there were some good years between some of the Coach Goff stuff and some of the Coach Donna stuff. There were some good years in there, but never was really able to take that next step to really explode and win the SEC to be in the national title hunt. Um, so, you know, we won the SEC twice. We played for it three times, kind of laid the, the, the way for – those teams after us to do the same thing. So to see Kirby take this group of guys, to go in and beat Alabama of all people, to finally knock that Saban monkey off our back. I mean, it was great. It was emotional. I cried, <laughs> you know, it's there. I said it, it is what it is. So um, it, it's it's a great feeling. And, uh, you know, we still, we still smile every time we think about it in the Tanner house.
1: How did your kids process it? Cause like, obviously they don't have, I guess the depth of ties that you do, but they're growing up right in the middle of this too. <laughs> You know, they're spoiled,
2: man. Like they don't know anything different. You know, like my sons are ten. I've got a little a little who's three. My daughter's twelve. So from the time they've been old enough to really understand what football is, it's been a part of the Kirby era. And I mean, you can arguably say that Georgia has had as good of a run as anybody in college football. I mean, you've got, you know, the savings of the world and a few others that have won through that, but we're at the pinnacle and we have been for their entire childhood. Yeah. So they don't know what it's like to have to sit through months on the radio telling you how bad it is out there you know they don't have to sit through um, all the heartbreak all the pain all the just getting your insides ripped out by somebody in tennessee who throws a hail mary on you when you're not expecting it they only know winning so you know they were excited they're screaming they're running but you know my wife and i cried <laughs> so you know there's a difference in it i guess
0: yeah you big cry baby it's all right, though. That's it. We'll, we'll, forgive, we'll forgive you. Hey, like I said, when I looked up at the stands, I saw a bunch of it. And then I remember tweeting out, I'm like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, here are your national champion Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm like, <clears throat> you know, you get a little <laughs> choked up in here because, I mean, even there was so much raw emotion in that stadium. I don't care how detached you try to be as a journalist, you know. You just can't. It's like going to somebody else's wedding. You, you may not even know the people up there, but you like you see them looking into each other's eyes. And you're like, you get. Yeah for Klimt to get choked up. You're like, wow. And, you know, I did graduate in 95. I covered you. I covered all those guys. So I've been doing this a long time And to see the team that, you know, knowing how dejected, you know, Chris Conley was, knowing how bad Terrence Edwards felt, you know, knowing how bad Nick Chubb wanted it, how bad Todd Gurley wanted it, you know, go down the list. And all these guys we've covered for – sort of covered them in 93. You know, I know how bad Eric Zier wanted one, you know. And those – you
1: know, Claude Felton. I know how much he. was. Yeah, damn. Just I mean,
2: there's all there's
0: and there's always I for answer. Claude Felton, honest to God. <laughs> you know, there's always excuses,
2: right? It was always yeah. Tyler Simmons was on side. It was always yeah. if Conley had been a foot farther down towards the goal line, um, yeah. if you know, Tua had to come in when he did. Um, you know, we can do it. So many years. Yeah. If the SEC had to have the clout in 03, 04, and 05 that does now we would have won one if there had been a playoff i believe we would have won one before but it the stars just never lined up so
0: right so to that, see that's these what stars I mean.
2: line up and to see it line up like we did there was no flukes uh there was no trickeration there was just grown man old school football that we love to watch to go out there and beat alabama the way we did man like it's it's special it uh it put us over that hump you know on the, i see it on the dog van Everybody always has – what's the what's the gift that's up most often, right? It says, it's happening, and it's the Ron Paul deal. Like, that's we felt like that's been the case for like 38 years, 41 years, whatever. So, for it to actually happen, man, it's just – it's an explosion inside. So,
0: yeah. It did. And I was – you bring you up a good point. There is no – I mean, there's some controversy. I've seen some Alabama people say, well, if our wide receivers hadn't gotten hurt, well – yeah, maybe you've had you know, Adam Anderson gotten arrested. Maybe it's a different game. You know, it's uh, there's a it's not like George was actually out there healthy. I mean, you're running uh, – the previous three quarterbacks you thought you were going to have on the field ex- weren't exactly out there. You know, George Pickens wasn't 100%. You had a lot of guys that were down. But you go back and look at that defense as special as it was. You know, you, you mentioned old-fashioned. Yeah, it was an old-fashioned football team out there. Explosive plays, big defense, and we saw – all those guys get drafted, and you've played against some pretty tough defenses, but it seems like Georgia has continued on that winning streak. You had that – to me, it started with Clemson, a game that I picked Georgia to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was I bought into the Clemson hype, and I knew how worried the Georgia coaches and the Georgia staff were about some of the stuff they thought Clemson could do. And you that know, game whatever. was super close. Let's not forget that no, like, Run you're right. you're right. play Clemson, changes
1: everything there.
0: True uh but the clemson offensive line was not what we thought it was but then that kind of hype trend kept growing then they got beaten the sec championship but from that championship on then they go you have a great recruiting class yep. i mean yeah you got beat out by texas AM and and alabama but that's they had generational recruiting classes but yep. by, this is not a bad class by any means number three class in the country for a while there was the number one class then you go into the nfl combine we went up there we covered it in person Dogs only oh, the combine. It was a three-day infomercial about Georgia football players. Then you yep. get to the draft, four-day infomercial about Georgia football players. Mm-hmm. They set a modern day record for the number of players drafted. It just, people keep saying, you're the dog. And I'm like, that, that, that just doesn't seem strong enough.
2: Yeah. It, like, literally, it could not have gone any better for us over these last six months. Like, I don't think it's possible. Um Everything Kirby's touch has turned to gold. You know, the narratives have been killed. The Georgia can't win the big game is gone. The dead. we're always going to fold in the fourth quarter is gone. Dead. Kirby can't develop talent is gone. Dead, dead. I mean, <laughs> it, You know, it is what it is. And, you, and you're splitting hairs now uh, from people that are ranking recruiting classes saying the Bama is better than Georgia that is better than A&M is better than this person. I mean – you have a clear cut group of three or four teams that is so far ahead of everybody else recruiting wise. And above that, you're splitting hairs based on needs of the teams. So, you know, um, recruiting as long as Kirby and his crew are in charge is going to be the least of our worries as Georgia fans, you know, now that being said, with all this NIL stuff going on, who knows what this landscape is about to look like, but yeah, it's been a great run. Literally everything has gone the way of the dogs.
0: You know, I was looking the interesting
1: that. part about having those like four or five teams that have separated themselves is I thought once you got there, you kind of like stayed there. And Clemson looks like is having to try to claw back to get to that point while A&M's trying to get there. But Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State definitely appear to be the class of, of the country.
2: Well, Dabo was a late adapter to the NIL stuff. And I get it. I mean, he didn't, he didn't like the NIL stuff and was vocal about that and didn't want to go transfer Portland do all, all the things that are now part of college football. And, and I get it. I feel the same way about some of the aspects of the NIL stuff. I, there's parts that I like, and there's parts that I despise. But if you're – if dims the rules. <laughs> and if yeah. you don't play by the rules, you're going to get smoked. And Clemson's going to reap the benefit of that for three or four years until they get on board and ipte their way back into a good signing class.
0: <laughs> right. I, want to, I want to mention Georgia's signing class that they have basically uh, incoming. You got – Michael Williams and Marvin Jones Jr., two five star defensive ends on either side. Outside of them, you have Julian Humphrey and Jaheim Singletary, two five star uh, defensive backs. And then uh, and Alexander, uh, Bear Alexander, right there in the middle. So we talk about Georgia having five first round draft picks in the, uh, uh, you know, this past draft. You, well, here's five five stars coming in. And with the way the rivals' rankings work, those are guys we expect to go in the first round. And you know, and half those guys aren't even on campus yet. And I, I just retweeted a video of one of Georgia's maybe a lower-rated guys, Darryl Smith. You know, he's in the top two hundred and fifty. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a defensive end out of Baxley, Georgia, six foot six, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. He was running the two hundred meter sprint the other day, and he won it. You know, with a new PR. And I'm like
2: ridiculous. <laughs>
0: like if you're watching him, he's like a foot and a half taller than all these guys. Who that's all they do. They're sprinters. You know, they that, that's their number one sport. This is his second sport. He's out there smoking them all, you know, 75 pounds bigger than that, many of them and uh, uh, maybe a foot taller. It's just uh, mind boggling. And we're not talking about Derek Smith because we're talking about Marvin Jones Jr. and, you know, Julian Humphrey and, uh, you know, uh, Michael Williams, guys like that. So I, I think you bring up a great point. As long as Kirby Smart's over there recruiting, you know, and he, yeah. he's having to change coaching staff a lot, you know, but, uh, I think you nailed it with uh, as long as he's recruiting, George is going to be in a good spot. And that ties into Dane's talk about how I don't see Georgia falling off. And I said it last year. Let me get your thoughts on this. I said if George actually lost that game against Alabama, it would suck. It would would be just heartbreaking. Real bad. But everyone's kept saying, well, you got to win it this year. You got to win it this year. You know, this is you're, you're. to me, Kirby's not one and done. He's played for two titles in six years. What makes people yes. think he's going to stop doing that?
2: Yeah. You know, it, that ball of momentum, once it starts rolling, you know, like, look, Kirby is a very, very good coach from X's and O's standpoint. He's a very good coach. But Kirby will tell you, if you watch his press conferences, I know, y'all get mad at Kirby with his press conferences, some about the lack of information he gives you. But one thing that he is very consistent about and very honest with is he tells you, really good coaches have really good players. Yeah. So when you send that to Florida coaches, pretty like well. He does, yeah, I remember when I went on a recruiting trip back, you know, many, many moons ago, back in my high school days, I went to Tennessee. Their uh, offensive line coach, I think it was Mike Martin, if I'm not mistaken, um, He was a USC guy, had coached Tony Baselli, And they asked him, somebody there's like, Coach, like, what did you do? Tony Baselli, at this time was one of the, arguably the greatest offensive lineman that's ever played the game of football, oh, yeah. Hall of Famer. The, you know, just unbelievable. And they said, Coach, what – you know, give us some tips. How'd you coach him? He's like, well, I can't do that. Said so Tony Basella. When I found him, was five foot seven, one hundred fifty pounds, and I coached him up to be six foot seven, three sixty, and gave him the feet of a dancing bear. So, you know, the point was, like, if the good Lord reaches out and touches that person, and gives them the ability to be a dominant freak. Then they're going to be really good. And Kirby has consistently recruited freaks. Um, I heard somebody say about Kirby um, a couple years ago when he was recruiting. They said that he loves to recruit big kids, even kickers. Um, It's crazy how it works in football. Typically, the biggest, fastest, strongest guys are the ones that win. So um, they recruit physical freaks. They put them in good position. They have a game plan together. They got them prepared like crazy. And then next thing you know, we got a big, fat ring and a big trophy in in the case. So, um, you know, that ball starts rolling and it doesn't stop. When guys win one, they play for two. Those recruits, like, um, this is pretty good. Fifteen guys get drafted in the NFL. Most has ever been. Um, I think I'm going to go play there. So the pipeline of talent, those physical freaks we're talking about, is rolling pretty good. And George ain't going anywhere anytime soon. It's just the way it is.
1: Russ, I wanted to ask you about Kirby's mantra right now has been this is not – you know, this team is not connected to last year's national title. It's a whole different team. It's a new experience. I think all coaches say that that no team is the same from one year to the next. Is that coach speak, or is it literally kind of a different feel for any team that you're on any certain year?
2: Look, complacency is the enemy, especially for Georgia right now. It's what Nick Saban talks about rat poison so much. You know, we like his little sound bites. We like to play about it, and joke about it. But when these kids, these 18, 19, 20 year old kids, Start getting in their ear, like how good they are, how yeah. amazing they are, how much NIL money they're going to get, etc. cetera. Um, it's, it's harder to prepare the way that you did when you're not as hungry. I think the great Marvin Hagler said that it's a lot harder to get out of silk sheets in the morning to go train to be the best it's ever been. So, you know, when things are soft and easy, it's hard to push yourself. So I think to Kirby's point You know, the good thing is now these guys have experience. They know what it's like to win. And knowing how to win a football game, knowing how to win any sport, is something that is really hard to coach. So once you learn it, once you feel it, we're in a better spot. So you've got that going for you. But at the same time, you're losing the leaders, especially on the defense side of that ball. You know, N'Kobe Dean not being over there. If N'Kobe Dean went on the field, we don't win the national championship last year. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you got guys on uh, on the offense side. You know, Stetson's back running the show over there. But you got the Jamari Salyers, the Zamir White, the James Cooks. You know, that list goes on as well of guys that were leaders, that were vocal, that were um, some of the bell cows for the program. So, yeah, completely different team. That's the honest-to-God truth.
0: Well, I, will tell you, I want to tell you about a really good team. Let's take a break here. We have a lot of questions for you. Uh, but I want to mention the good team over at Athens Ford. I reached out to those folks just today. I drove over there, saw Timmy Gay. Timmy's a, uh, a funny guy. He's, uh, he kept me cracking up. And I said, hey, man, I'm just kind of thinking about doing something for my son who's graduating here in two weeks. What do you got? Uh, under 40,000 miles, just a couple years old, you know, cheap. He starts walking me all over the uh, lot, showing me all sorts of stuff. And please, nobody tell my boy about this because we might not do it, might do it. Either way, but I'm just saying I went out there and had a ton of options. I'm like, wow, you got a lot of cars out here. He goes, we try our, <laughs> they try very hard to make sure they have a lot of uh, uh, new cars out there, a lot of used cars out there, and they do at Athens Ford. You can go out and check out, they got 237 vehicles on the lot as we speak. I probably looked at 150 of them, but my point is, I said, look up here's That's the, the size I want, here's the features time. I want. It was, um, it was, it was great. So if you get a chance and you need, if you're looking for a new vehicle, you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle, swing by our friends at Athens Ford. They have them on the lot. I passed a couple lots on the way there, just kind of poking my eye over and I'm like, they got a lot of balloons, but they don't have a lot of cars. So our friends at Athens Ford are loaded and they take good care of you. Hey, today was actually Timmy's day off. He went into work today just to take care of people. So I'm just saying that if you need good customer service and you need to actually see a vehicle, and of course, anything I get out there is going to have a lifetime powertrain warranty on it. So uh, shout out to Athens Ford for taking good care of us. And I also want to mention our friends at your pie. I know it's eight o'clock. It's not our, not our normal noon. Normally I tell you, Hey, it's eight o'clock today. Use your, the your pie app, get on your, your pie pizza, uh, do the double, uh, get the double points because it's Tuesday. You don't, you can't just do it on Tuesday, do it throughout the rest of the week. Use the your pie app, try their, uh, Ishka pizza, the lineage, the, uh, the, Southern Heat, the Nat—they're all fantastic. Or just go in there and make your own. Tell them, "Hey, I want the here's the uh, crust I want, here's the sauce I want, here's the cheese, here's all the toppings." You're not paying per uh, topping; you can get as many as you want. You get a lineman type pizza out there, just load it up, you know. And it's going to be cheap, it's going to be big, and it's going to be the best pizza you've ever gotten. So, I hit up our friends at EuroPie when you get a chance. And again, I guarantee that Drew and Natalie French were bowling their eyes out when they saw that uh, national championship uh, come to Athens. So. Actually, I'm pretty sure I saw them at the celebration. Anyway, uh, two of our great sponsors there, and we appreciate them a lot. Dane, let's hit them up with some questions.
1: Well, we have a comment on YouTube real fast. This is from Walker Enterprise. It said, I played at Johnson County with Big Russ. He used to drop me off sometimes. Said you had an XXL <laughs> helmet and smashed him on a down block numerous times. Says he appreciates you for those hard practices. So
2: the funny story about my helmet size, when I was in eighth grade, um, I was a quarterback in eighth grade. Passed for 700 yards and five touchdowns in five games. No big deal. I mean, you, do, <laughs> you <do. laughs> Um But I, I wore number one. I thought I was an athlete. I thought I was fast. And our team wore blue helmets. We're the Trojans, Johnson County. Dane knows about it. We used to beat East Lawrence up all the time. So yep, we had blue helmets. But the problem was that no middle school helmets fit me. And we didn't have the ability or the know-how or basically nobody wanted to paint it. So I had a varsity helmet. Problem was, our varsity wore silver helmets. So <laughs> I was the quarterback, the tallest kid on the team. I wore number one, and I had a silver helmet when everybody else had a blue one on. So uh, if there was ever like a beacon about, hum, 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 you know, this oh. is the guy. So, uh, yeah, I have an enormous head. My current struggle with this live broadcast do is how to position it right to look <laughs> Into my iPad, Roddy busted my chops, come on the show. Like, what are you filming on? Like, it's an iPad. I'm not technological. So, you not know
0: iPads it. had that wide function on there. Get that big yeah. head in it. Let's see it. Hey, but you got hair, so I can't make fun of you. So,
1: there it is. Do have a uh, question that uh, right. came in from Coach Donnan? And I mean, <laughs> we, we got to feature that, right? Jimmy D, let's hear it. He said, tell us about the day that Coach Donnan came to your and Pollock school the same day your junior year, and then you ended up uh, being roommates.
2: Yeah, so Coach Donnan was the guy that recruited us. And, um, you know, that's the guy that made, uh, you know, he and his staff are what really wanted us to come to Georgia. And it was a, it was a bad day in the Tanner House when when that staff got let go back then. And we had a guy who I love recruiting me named Phil Jones, um, who was a special teams coordinator. And, um, you know, Phil Jones was just a great man that Coach Don had on staff. And, um, you know, we weren't sure where we wanted to go. Pollock and I were taking visits to a lot of different places. But really, it was not long after we met Coach Don and came on campus at Georgia where we kind of made the pact that we're going to go somewhere together. Um, You know, after the the staff turnover happened, you know, we visited Florida, we visited Clemson, talked about Ohio State, Notre Dame, some of these different places. So, um, you know, that was uh, ages ago. But, you know, I can remember just – it's hard, man, when you're 18 years old, you're never outside of your parents' house, you know, the walls of your parents' house and trying to figure out where to go and to live. So, you know, to have a staff like Coach Don had in place, like for me, for Coach Jones in particular, to make me feel like it could be home, to make me feel like I had a place that I wasn't going to die when I left the warm confines of Riceville, Georgia. And then to have a buddy who you felt really good about going to room with, like that, you know. If it wasn't for those things, man, I wouldn't have made it. I would have, I'd have had to go back home pretty quick. So, yeah, appreciate him. I appreciate Coach Donna more than you guys know.
1: Had another question uh, come in. Uh, this was just via text to me, so someone that's listening. Uh, says, Russ, I know you coach uh, some youth football. Does Kirby do some scouting reports with you for your guys? Kirby
2: is it's crazy, like, how much he knows about what goes on with our football teams. His son, Andrew, <laughs> has played with us for the last three or four years. And um, I'm not kidding you, man. Like he will text me. it'll be like the week of like the Auburn game. We'll be playing Florida. Text coming up, whatever. And you'll get a text like, "Hey, you got any video of that team we're playing this week?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know, you usually blitz outside backers. You may not want to do that against them. So I mean, it's crazy. Like his mind, man, it works in a way that is different than the rest of us. It's just, it's just different. So yeah, Kirby, Kirby knows what's going on, and uh, he tries to be a good dad and get to as many games as he can as his schedule allows, but um, yeah, he, uh, it was crazy. I could send him a clip of what we're doing and say, hey, coach, how should we adjust to this? And you'd get a text back real quick. So I do this, put this kid here, do that. So yeah, it was a pretty good weapon to have in the in the holster.
0: I wish I'd known him and Coach Donnan when I was coaching over at ACS from my little – my middle school teams, you know, going up against uh, Brock Bandegriff at Prince and guys like that, playing Athens Academy, getting their butts kicked. I'm like, man, looking across the field, seeing uh, uh, Brad Johnson and Mike Bob over there scheming against my defense. I'm like, man, if I'd known Coach Donnan as well as we do now, I'd text him up. He'd have thrown some crap at him. That would have been great. All right, I'm gonna get back into coaching now. I got some
1: reviews. <laughs> go. All right, let's start getting into some of these from the dog man. This is from Rowdy Dog <laughs> says, "Who wins a three-man WrestleMania match for the title of toughest UGA center: Russ Tanner, Ben Jones, or Boss Andrews?"
2: So, a lot of questions got to be answered before we can answer that question. Is <laughs> it in our prime? Is it as we currently sit? Like, what is it? I mean, because those are different things, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to um, say
1: prime. We're going to get everybody at their best.
2: I mean, it's hard not to go with Big Ben. Honestly, it's not. I mean, he's from Alabama. I'm sure I'm smarter than he is. Um, <laughs> you know, Boss is a wrestler, though, man. Like, you can't count him out. So, you know, I'm I'm a softy, man. Like, I'm not a fighter. I mean, I don't know what I would do with those guys. I mean, I don't know. Hit them with a bat or something, I guess. Yeah, those, are, <laughs> those dudes have been in the NFL. They're going to have... Ten plus year NFL careers. I was in the NFL for about three and a half months. So, uh, you know, they're uh, they're a little bit different dudes than I am.
0: Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with. Uh, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love David Andrews, but no, nah, it is Jones. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I agree with you. This is from Bush Appreciate Dog
0: guys. says, "How does it feel to be the greatest?"
1: Uh, Bush talk says, how's it feel to be the greatest athlete to come out of Wrightsville, Georgia? And then he also says, do you have any funny uh, coach Rick stories from his first year as head coach? You know, I can
2: remember when I was signing with Georgia. Um, I think the dumbest question I remember somebody asking me was, it was a reporter from, I don't know, probably one of the, the little South Georgia newspapers that we, we knew very well growing up. And uh, the guy said, so you're going to Georgia. Like, yep. He's like, you're the first, you first Johnson County player since Herschel. Yeah, that's right. He said, Are you going to have the same impact that Herschel did?
0: <laughs>
2: I mean, you're on the play
0: line Yeah, maybe. You know.
2: you know, I'm hoping I don't have to redshirt twice. You know, <laughs> if he was one of the greatest there's ever been.
1: So, yes, yes. it's like, Yeah, I'm going to get a Heisman. I'm going to get a Heisman for, a, you know, at center. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I forgot the other part of the question.
1: Uh, funny <laughs> Coach Rick story from his first year, if you have any.
2: Man, you know, that first year was such a blur for me going back. And, uh, you know, Coach Rick was business, man. People don't think he was as competitive as he was and pushed us like he did. But I can remember um, – I was thinking about this the other day. When we were freshmen, they they would run us. And I remember all the freshmen, we had to do a, a lower body workout then we had to run to the stadium, run to Sanford Stadium, and then do stadiums all the way around the lower level. And I remember then we had to run back up that hill on uh, Lumpkin back to the butts mirror, the shower. And I can remember like 20 of us in the shower together. So you got all these dudes in the shower and butt naked, absolutely dying because we just had to run a long way. I remember my man, Derek White, uh, outside one of our linebackers, he's he's a shouting. What are they going to do if we all just quit today? I
0: was like, okay. And he, had a,
2: he had a consensus. Like if it had been a democracy, we would have quit that day. But as Coach Fabrice told us, this was not a democracy, it was a dictatorship. <laughs> um, you know, we didn't have the uh, option to quit. Otherwise, we would have probably like week one.
0: <laughs> hey, did you ever do one of those pool days?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lots of pool days. So, yeah. you know, I say lots. We did four or five. We did it every year. You knew it was coming. They try to play it off like you weren't going to do the pool day. But Coach Rick loved the pool days as well. You know, my man's getting high dives and flips. So, yeah, we always set them up.
1: That's that South Florida in them. From Kirby's Pleats, uh, it, Russ, is that your real Southern accent or are you exaggerating a little bit?
2: So Kirby's Pleats, is that's his question. That question back, like me, Ben Jones, and David Andrews, if it's me and Kirby's Pleats in the ring and that's his question, like I take me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this, is like, this is my real voice. It's funny, man, when I go back home now, I've got cousins, uncles and stuff like, boy, why are you talking about one of them Yankees? What's gonna happen to your voice? You know, like uh, I don't have an accent anymore when I go back down to Wrightsville. My wife always laughs; she knows when I'm talking to some of the tanners on the phone because uh, you know the country comes back out. So no, this is uh, this is my sophisticated voice, Kirby. Please,
1: <laughs> I can confirm that because being Kirby. essentially from the same area, I'd like train myself to lose some of my southern accent. But if I talk to my dad, it's coming right back. It don't yeah, matter how much work. I did it's that for broadcast. Get him
2: darn cow back in that field now. I'm going to tear you over <laughs> the hickory stump. If you don't, more than
1: that gum. And see, I understood everything you just said perfectly. To yeah. me, you sound like
0: Boomhauer. I just lost it. <laughs> from now, I grew up in Conyers. That's not exactly the uh, uh, capital uh, of sophistication. So I, <laughs> trust me, I, could, I could get it too. So, But I, my dad didn't, you know, spoke broken English. So a lot of my accent, people are like, you don't sound like you're from Conyers. I'm like, yeah, but I also don't sound like, uh, you know, English is my second language either. So it's it's an amalgamation of night court and dad and Conyers, you know, everything. So that's just, that's how it works. Yeah.
1: This from Senator Blutarski. If you, Roddy, and Dane were in an airplane that was going to crash and there were only two parachutes, what do you do? I don't know what y'all do. (laughs) <laughs>
0: he's with too because he's big.
2: Like I got, I got mine, but it's up to you
0: two. <laughs> Watch y'all fight to the death.
1: It's it's an age game, right? Uh, it's because
0: we went with Ben Jones. If we'd said him, you know, he'd be like, "Oh, I would let you guys have him." Yeah,
1: I'd,
2: I'd, we'd be piggybacking down together. I'd be trying to figure it out, but now one of you's dying. It is what it is. <laughs> well, what was earlier: dims
1: the rules.
0: <laughs> uh, man, we should ask those questions in reverse order. Now we're both dead. Great.
1: Uh, from Bucket Thirty Seventy Five, Russ. What's your opinion on why Justin Schaefer was drafted ahead of Jamari Sawyer? Good question. Yeah, you
2: know, kind of, yeah, kind of shocking when that happened, right? Like we're sitting there watching them, and I think Sawyer. A lot of us thought, you know, potentially second round, maybe third round guys, probably where we kind of had him slotted in our in our mindset, and um, and he ended up going, you know, what fifth round was it fifth round or sixth round? Um, and sixth, it was a surprise when Schaefer goes off. You know, I think that when you look at it, that I think two things happened. Which one, Sawyer was a great teammate for the Dogs, and he'll end up making his money in the NFL, but he played out of position some. Now, look, it's crazy because he was dominant at left tackle. I mean, the two best defensive ends in college football last year, Will Anderson, Aiden Hutchinson, they did not want to see Jamari Sawyer. So you talk yeah. about who's the best player to play that position for us all year long? Like, he stepped in that spot, was freaking dominant when he had to be. I'm mean, a great job, but he played out of position. He's probably a guard in the next level. It's probably where he's going to play in the NFL, just height and weight stuff. And then the other part of it, man, like Justin Schaefer, and this is not a knock on salary or anybody else, but, man, Justin Schaefer is a dog. I mean, if somebody's sitting around the pile, Justin Schaefer is going to move them. You know, if somebody – if the whistle's not blown, the guy – his man is still going to be pushed. So, there's a little bit of attitude there, man, that he showed over and over again to where if you're drafting your offensive lineman – you need one or two guys who are just a little bit nasty. You need one or two of those guys who you say, hey, when they get in a fight, who's going to win? They're like, okay, yeah, I got that dog right there. So, Justin Schaefer, man, like if you were standing around the pile, that big dog's going to clean you up. He should have got several more penalties this year for diving of the pile of hitting people. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I would say that's it. Sal, you're being a little bit out of position for the next level. But then um, Schaefer is just a he's just a mover, man. He's a, a people-moving, mashing man. So, how do you like
1: that?
0: That's fair. Hey, I mean, anybody
1: yeah. that can come back from the injury that he had, that neck injury, and, yeah. and continue – like, you're tough if you do that. That is yeah. not fun. And a little crazy. So, you know.
0: Yeah, and, uh, I love, it was funny. Each year we kept saying, okay, this is the guy that's going to move in. He'll be – he'll take uh, Schaefer's spot at left guard or he'll take Schaefer's spot at right guard, wherever Schaefer is. You canceled in one of those new five stars coming in, just like a lot of people have done with Warren McClendon. You know, it's like – Oh well Roger Jones will come in and take Warren McClendon's spot at right tackle. Oh uh American did, Smith will come in they, and they did it with Kinley. Like this happens every yeah, year. Solomon Kinley at uh, three years in a row, everyone's everyone's gonna keep moving him. And yep, Solomon's like, The hell you say you take it over my dad. You don't have to kill me, brother. <laughs> yep. And that's what you got with Justin Schaefer. I mean, I remember asking Justin when he was in the neck, I'm like, Are you gonna play again? You know, I mean, are you healthy? things like, and of course he can't even, he had to move his whole head because he's in the neck brace, he's like. I'll be back, man.
2: I'll be back. That's right. And
1: he knew
0: sure. it. Okay. So, so I, I, I was rooting for him. And I'm glad he got it. But yeah, I was surprised to see Sawyer and the Kobe Dean fall to where they did. And that's both of those shocked me.
1: By the way, uh, Dodge County Dog says Russ sounds like big city compared to some of us from Dodge and Telfair counties.
0: I have spoken down there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he you sounds get, like a
2: banker down, down right towards McRae and uh, some of those places down there. Um, you know. Yeah. There's a uh, there's some good South Georgia people down in those next to the woods. I'm,
1: I'm playing golf in McCray on Saturday. There you go. Uh Let's see. What you got, Lawrence? Russ, would you say the offensive line talent in Athens is superior to the offensive line talent during the Rick years? Do you think there was a struggle in offensive line recruiting during a good portion of Rick's tenure? And if so, what's the reason compared to how successful Kirby smart has been? It's a lot of questions.
2: Um, talent wise, it's not even a question, right? I mean, you can't even, you can't even begin to talk about our, our group talent wise or it's at now. There are some philosophical differences that happen back to the Kirby recruits, big guys. Um, You know, his guys had the body for the NFL more so than we did. Um, You know, I don't know. Roddy may know this answer some too, as far as like why that is, but I'd be interested to see like how much more highly rated offensive linemen there are now versus 20 years ago when we were coming out. you know, the way these guys get evaluated, the amount of value has been put on that position now with the quarterbacks being so important, you know, in the college and pro game. I feel like you got more emphasis on offensive line now than it was even when we were playing, um, especially the big, strong NFL-type guys. So Kirby's recruited those guys over and over again. Um, you know, we were bit by the injury bug really bad, man. Like, we had the shoulders of death for about three years ago. Like, every person we recruited, their shoulders tore up. And, you know, there's nothing <laughs> – Coach Reed wasn't doing that. I mean, he wasn't coming out there and recruiting like, hey, how's your labrum? Oh, partially torn? All right, you get a scholarship. You know, <laughs> that, that was what, what was happening. So, um, we definitely got bit by that some. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you can say that by line, but you can also say that about probably every single position on to Kirby's team compared to any other team in Georgia history, not just the Rick or Don or Goff any other team. Kirby's number one job is to recruit. I, I believe he would tell you that. Like he does that above anything else in the program. He's always recruiting and it pays off. I mean, where you focus, man, that's where you see results. And, um, you know, he's made recruiting an emphasis. Uh,
0: to me, when you look at the difference in results and the guys that you got, uh, yes, across the board, Kirby has recruited, you know, from punters to walk ons uh, to five star quarterbacks better than anybody's recruited at Georgia in a really long time. And, you know, I, I remember you know, covering Max Gene Gillis and Big Roland and Inman and, you know, Nick Jones and all those guys, just bad, bad, bad men, you know, uh, covered Kirby when he played with some of those monsters, you know. But consistently across the board, Kirby's gotten great offensive line talent. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact we talk about evaluations and stuff. The kids that are coming out of high school now are more developed from a yeah. technical standpoint than they ever have been again, across the board. But Kirby, when he got the job, said we are way too small in the trenches, offensive and defensive lines. He knew that when he scouted George, he's like, we're going to beat them because we're going to mash them off on both sides of the line. Our guys are just way bigger and faster. But the thing about, when you know, people talk about, you know, wide receiver recruiting or quarterback recruiting or tight end recruiting. There are a hell of a lot more cornerbacks out there and wide receivers and running backs than there are Six foot six, 335 pound dancing bears. That's just, Mm -hmm. that is a rarity of a human being. And Kirby understands that that rarity means priorities, just like gold. Gold is rare. It has value. Diamond is rare. It has value. So yeah, although silver is pretty and copper is pretty, those are easier to find. So I'm going to spend my recruiting budget, time and attention on the Keith Alexanders, you know, the Marvin Jones Jr., the Michael Williams, the Isaiah Wilsons, you know, the Amarius Mims, the Robert Joneses of the world. We're going to recruit inside out. And, again, I don't know this because we're not on his interior. This is projection on my part. I don't, I don't want to say he spends more time recruiting those guys than anybody has in the past, but I just know that that is a priority. And if it's a priority for Kirby, I imagine time, money, you know, blood and treasure mm-hmm. are spent on recruiting those guys more so than it may have been the other way. Now, again, I don't, I don't know that under Mark Rick. I don't, I mean, the last guy I spoke to that recruited for him was maybe Thomas Gary, you know, and uh, they, they I know they tried their damnedest to get him, but yep. Kirby, Kirby's just had the success getting those big, rare guys, and he's yep. lined up. Right. Like yep. And we
1: yeah, won a yeah. national championship. <laughs> And look at the three offensive line coaches that Kirby's hired. Sam Pittman, who might as well be the GOAT of offensive line coaches at this point. Matt Luke and Stacey Searles have great recruiting track records. It's a priority. That, that's the thing with Kirby. It's a priority at every position, but offensive line, like you're saying, Roddy, especially there.
0: Yeah, that was their biggest scoop when Kirby was hired. You know, we put out the, the day before, the day that uh, it kind of became official, that morning we said, look, Kirby's 90% higher. There's just a couple things left. But it's about done. And then later that day, they said uh, there was a report came out barring any last minute shenanigans. Kirby Smart's going to be the head coach. I'm like, that's what we said this morning, like 12 hours ago. Yeah. But aside from that scoop, it was the biggest one that we got of all the coaches that he hired was he's getting Sam Pittman from Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I really didn't know. I mean, I kind of heard of him, but I didn't realize how big it was. But the way my phone blew up when we put out that scoop from coaches and support staff and guys I knew in the industry, they're like, "Holy crap, Kirby's Kirby's getting Sam Pittman." Yeah, yeah. But he's also getting uh, this, uh, this this offensive coordinator. Like, I don't care about the offensive defensive coordinator, Sam Pittman. Yeah, <laughs> he's getting and away. Kirby How's Kirby that possible?
2: He recruited well. Yeah, he recruited well.
0: Yeah, he did. Uh, speaking of recruiting, well, we'll talk about a couple of our other guys who can do some pretty good recruiting, and that's our friends at Dead Sox. They recruited me and UGA Sports to be uh, one of their spokespeople by sending us free socks. They said, hey, would you like some free socks? I like free stuff. Send it to me. He said, we want you to try this. Try these socks. See what you think. We – is basically two guys, you know, uh, Jason and Mike from uh, Dead Sox. He said, look, two, two old Miss grads. We created a sock company. We have socks that stay up; that don't slide down. They're incredibly soft. We have these amazing machines, you know, that we got uh, that do these wonderful designs on them. We think your readers would like them. I'm like, oh, sure. Send them to me. I'll take free stuff. I, I have no pride, you know. Ooh. so I, I don't. So anybody else wants to send free stuff, please do. <laughs> but yeah. And by the way, like, I,
2: I mean, if the guest speaker gets free merch, I will take a new Bronco, a lineage pie, and a pair of socks. And we'll call it even.
0: Well, I did just give away nine pairs of socks to announce our uh, winners on the dog event earlier today. And I've been packaging them up. Uh, so everybody will get there. Those nine people will get a uh, free pair of socks and a couple other goodies in their uh, bags there. And uh, we got more free stuff coming. But I want to tell folks, if you get a chance, check out those Georgia socks. They're really cool. You know, the red and black ones, the, the outline of the state with the... Um, uh, red, black, and uh, silver in them. You know they're just fantastic, but they're incredibly comfortable. I mean, the designs are neat. But to me, the reason I became a uh, a partner with them is because I'm like these feel great. And everybody that's, that I've had try them raves about them. So I'm like, okay, here's something I can get behind. so these these guys recruit well. give give people free stuff and see what the, you know see what they can do with it. And uh, I appreciate them being a sponsor. Uh, also, a guy who recruits well is our friend uh, Matt Casey of Academia Brewing Company. He has been a uh, star when it comes to recruiting great brewers to make his beer and great chefs to run his restaurant and uh, people to design uh, his cans and do all of his uh, uh, distribution and come up with ideas like the beer and biscuit brunch. So check out our friends at Academic Brew Company when you get a chance. They had this great watch party uh, this past Saturday for the Kentucky Derby. Can you imagine being out there and having tried all their great beers, have all their great food, and to watch Rich Strike come out from nowhere at the last second win the uh, whole Kentucky Derby? I'm sure that place was sideways with uh, uh, enjoyment and happiness when uh, that happened. So uh, if you want to have a good time, reach out to our our friends at Academic Brewing Company. Go by, try their beers, try their wines, try their Trivia Tuesday, and just have a blast out there when you get a chance. From
1: Big Dog, Russ, what is your take on Georgia's offensive line winning the Joe Moore Award this year, which was basically given to Michigan last year?
2: Uh, you know, it's uh, it's way too early to be able to do anything as far as saying what offensive line is going to be like for Georgia. You know, I think you look and know this, Georgia team can going to be really good. But an offensive line in particular, man, like you don't know until those guys play together. Like we don't even know who the starting five is going to be right now. We think we have an idea, but – We don't know what Tate Rally is going to do when it comes back. You don't know if Amaris Williams, if the light's going to come on for him. Um, You don't know, you know, what's going to happen with Warren Erickson and some of that stuff. So, until you get five guys out there to play consistently and start dominating football games, um, you know, I don't know that you can really even make a call for that. Plus, the Joe Moore Award obviously has a Midwest bias. That was given to some dumb Big Ten team. No matter how bad they get smoked when they play the SEC schools, their big old tree trunk legs can't move. They're sitting still. And people like Marcus Howard go right around them.
1: You know, shout out. My, my, my <laughs> yeah, I
0: was about to say night. Nice, 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 hey, sp- sp-
1: speaking know. of a year that Georgia would have won on title if they would have had a playoff, that's it, 07.
2: Yeah, I mean, they had a – you know, I don't want to speak about Colt Brennan much, rest in peace, but that game when Georgia played Hawaii, Marcus Howard was one of the most dominant individuals I've ever seen on the football field wearing red and black for that game. He was a good player. For his whole career but he was dominant in that sugar bowl so yeah man that team was rolling that year so the, you know we've had three or four teams in the last 20 years where if a playoff had to happen georgia would have had more than one national championship in the last 40 years so
1: this question from go dogs 1371 russ what was it like playing at georgia as the program found its footing in the mid-90s and what coach in your life is the best cusser not necessarily the most in terms of volume <laughs> of cussing, but the most effective cusser.
2: Oh, man. Uh,
1: playing at Georgia, we, we hit on that. So go back
2: to the very beginning of the show when Roddy was talking about, um, you know, what it was like to be a part of the, the brotherhood after the national championship was won. So it was special. It was awesome. Um, there's a lot of things in my life I hold near and dear. And I'm so thankful to be a part of and Playing for University of Georgia is definitely one of them. Um, so, yeah, go back and, and watch that early on in it um best cusser yeah that that's tough man because i mean you've got guys like uh coach fabris who was fab you know he he had an art to his stuff um you know he told us like i said that this was a democracy it was a dictatorship and that we were the taters um (laughs) you can fill in the rest on your own so i remember that you know coach calloway man i had coach calloway coach calloway was a he was a very effective cusser he was not as creative with it but um very consistent with it so uh you know one of the nicest things they ever said to me is, well, Tanner, you did that up too bad. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. I appreciate <laughs> good, good talk.
2: So yeah. Um old offensive line coaches are really good at cussing typically. So
0: I wonder I wonder who is like that on this current staff.
2: Ooh, I've I said don't know most of the
0: the is, but I wonder who's the best.
2: I know I know the answer
1: but I'm not gonna say it so <laughs> yeah. uh, now you got me wanting to guess it but I know you won't tell me either way so nah. they' got me must champ right I mean Kirby's good don't get me wrong
0: oh yeah no. those leaked videos that have caught Kirby a few times yeah well hell he, he did it in the uh, that press conference what was it, after beating Tennessee He's like yeah How about the effing dogs you know <laughs> yep
2: yeah. and his mom his mama was mad
0: his wife <laughs> killed him.
1: Hey, uh, one of my favorites, and I, I covered him in Auburn too and, and at Georgia. So, but like seeing Rodney Garner, like he, di- he didn't age or mellow anyway. Like that was just Rodney. That, that's what he does. I'm not, yeah,
2: Coach Dika Co- G- let it ride pretty good. So, yeah, been, <laughs> been around a lot of those
1: guys. <laughs> Roddy, I don't know if you want to get some of the questions that you got together from uh, Facebook because we have one more from the dog vent, but it's a uh, Zinger dog, and he's got about 14 questions in here. Yeah, so you have to one at a time, Dan. If we need yeah. to prioritize. Well, something. I want to
0: hit a, a couple from Twitter because we've got our buddy uh, Eddie from Ackworth. And I still want to do a uh, a show with our – want to do a show by our fans for our fans. And Eddie from Macworth and our buddies that uh, run the 7-6, you know, a chance. Uh, th- guys like that would be good hosts or good uh, uh, co-hosts or something to have a show. But I love Eddie from Ackworth. He says – Ah, uh, Russ. Which drafted Bulldog will have the longest NFL career out of this last match?
2: The longest NFL career. Um, you got to go away from the lineman for that, just because there's too much wear and tear on the bodies. Not going to be one of the running back for the same reason. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like John Fitzpatrick is one of these guys that stick round for fourteen, fifteen years. But oh, yeah. uh, you know, when I look at like um, you know, Nakobe Dean's going to play a long time. But then you look at a guy like George Pickens, man, like. George Pickens can play a long time in the NFL. I saw uh, one of the comparisons I saw to him was Plaxico Burris, you know, going to Steelers and some of that. And he's going to be fast, explosive, be able to get off the ball early on. Then as he gets older, I man, he's just got that big body that can go get it. So, you know, if George Pickens can uh, surround himself with good people, and it seems like he's probably done that going to Pittsburgh, a really stable situation with a great coach and Mike Tomlin, um, you know, I would say George Pickens is lined up to have a 12-, 14-year NFL career.
1: Boo, it's Kamarta. Punters are people too, Morris. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Camarda. When I was with with the Colts those three and a half months, our long snapper was a guy named Justin Snow. He was a a tight end by trade, but he was the long snapper. And I remember one of the rookies when they asked him, like, man, like, you still making league minimum? He's like, yeah. He's like, league minimum is $1.5 million. And if I ask for more, they're going to cut me. So I just every year say, hey, I'll take less, man. Like, I'm good with that. Like, y'all don't have to pay me this much. No, we have to. He's like, Really? I'll take it. So, uh, you know, those special teams guys, man, they could just fly on the radar, do their job, kick it, snap it, whatever, and stick around for a long, long time.
0: You know, I could see like uh, Quay Walker or Channing Tindall, one of those inside linebackers have a Chris Clemens type career, you know, 13 years in the NFL just playing linebacker, just year after year after year after year, grinding it out, maybe two, three, four teams, you know? Yep. None of that would surprise me, but I, I think the, the, the wide receiver comparison is in our position. Yeah. George Pickens. And just, I mean, you got to think about it. Add 10 years to any of those guys, and are they still making plays? And yeah. a punter or a wide receiver, I can absolutely see it. So yep. that's, that's a good one. Christopher Black says, uh, I love when
1: Russ is on 960 the ref on Fridays during the football season. And then Jay Teal says, who asks better questions, Roddy and Dane or Logan and Dave? <laughs> Oh man,
2: those are my my guys. I love uh, love Logan today. They're good people over there at 960. And uh, you know, thankfully, they let me talk about football on Friday morning So uh, you know, man, I'm not a I'm not a dummy. I've been married a long time. I know. (laughs) For a question,
1: next.
0: Do you think she's pretty?
1: (laughs) Hey, Logan's one of my best friends in this world. He's a tight family buddy. So if you picked him, I'd be okay with it.
0: Yeah, but I can't stand Logan's
1: good. Logan's good people. Although Logan didn't do his mortgage with you twice, so I'm just saying that, you know.
2: I mean, he is, he is dumber than you are, but, you right. know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, oh, you logged me in at a 3% interest rate last year, man. I can't thank you enough. I should come hug uh, you every
2: day. Let's do, uh, that's okay. <laughs> no more mortgages <laughs> if I get a hug every day.
0: And <laughs> so. hey, we got a question from UJLM95. He says, uh, "Question: does the Marius Mims get into the starting lineup by the fourth game of the season?
2: You know, injuries happen a lot, and um, I, here's what here's what I would say to you with that. It's up to Marius Meehan if Marius Meehan wants to be in the starting lineup or not, regardless of injuries. Um, I don't know what went on with him over there this year. I do not have an inside track. We talk about some about what happens with Kirby and those guys, and, you know, I've I guess I have a little bit more connection to just the average fan, just because I am a letterman and have, can go around there some, but I don't have an inside track. I don't talk to those guys on a regular basis. But here's what I'll tell you when a guy like Amaris Mims has not been on the field so far with as big, strong a talent as, as he is, you know, at some point you hope guys like that, the switch flips for him because physically he's probably the best looking athlete on the team. Maybe mm-hmm. not even the office line, but on the team, he just goes size, strength, ability, all that. So it's up to Maris Mims. If Maris Mims decides he wants to be great, he's going to be dominant. He's got the skills, the ability, and all that to do it. So uh, he's just got to decide, man. And it happens. There's tons of guys every single year on every single team that they've got to decide whether they want it or not. And I'm not knocking the kid. He may be one – I don't know him, never met him. It may be one of the greatest kids I've ever been. But, uh, you know, there's some dogs playing in front of him that like their spot on the field, and he's got to come out like a dog and use that ability – with a little bit of nastiness mixed in there with it. And if that happens, then you're gonna see him play.
0: And to me, when you look at the guy like okay, are you gonna are you gonna beat out Warren McClendon? Good luck. Are you gonna beat yeah. out Broderick Jones, who sat out a year, you know, didn't get as so much and finally got his taste, started those last four games of the season, came into the national championship game. Broderick Jones, and again, if we had to build a prototypical left tackle, that's you build him to look like Broderick Jones. Yeah. I've never seen a kid that just looked more like a NFL left tackle on high school than I did with him. Yep. Till I saw Marius Mims, yep. and again, and I made this point, and Coach Don, and busted me up about it, and he, he was right too. But we we got to see like two practices this year, and I walked in and was looking at all those defensive linemen, and if you didn't see eighty eight on the jersey, you couldn't pick out Jalen Carter because they're all right. the same size. They're all huge, big defensive linemen, you know. So with their helmets on, it's like – it's not like one guy is, you know, Zeus compared to a goat, you know. And it's, But you get to the offensive line and you have all these great-looking guys, but then there's a Marius Mills who's even bigger than Xavier Truss. That's he's right. bigger than Devin Willick. And he – huge shoulder, small waist, just you know, like, damn. That, get him off the bus first. So I'm with you there. That's a guy who just looks different. He looks badass and yep. plays with the same heart as a Justin Schaefer, you know. That's right. But you uh, not I don't right know. Here. You
2: put it here and put it here. I mean, that's and just that,
0: the way it is. You got is one. Time, so. huh. He's he'll he'll be scared. Uh, let's hit up with some of those zinger questions and then let uh, Russ go here because I know. You. Time,
1: oh yeah, I'll, I'll take it slow here. Uh, let's see, Russ uh, blocked in practice. One of the few defenses that could have been in the conversation with the group from last year. Uh, he talks about 2003 in particular. Had some really yeah. great defensive linemen, so the depth uh, was just better but an 0-3 was one of Zinger's favorite defenses to talk about. So I guess just kind of compare what you think it was like to play against that 0-3 defense uh, compared to what Georgia had this past season.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you had some grown men. You had guys like Gerald Anderson and Kenville who were just some of the strongest human beings you're ever going to go against. Like so They would pick me up off the ground if my feet weren't set right, and I didn't have my anchor leg down properly. Then you had guys like Kedrick Golston, who's a longtime NFL player, um, you know, that that was really, really good. And then, you know, you had that at the time we all could see him this huge butthole in David Pollock, who would just come down the middle. and was just freaking unblockable. Like he would take pride and joy and just come there and just embarrassing you down in the middle because you can't block him one on one. So, you know, it's that it's that old adage you talk about all the time. I mean, the biggest thing that did for us was it prepared us for the grind of what that SEC schedule was going to look like. When you block those guys every day, man, you show up against, you know, Tennessee, Auburn, you get a Kentucky that has some really good players. You know, like they had a guy named Dwayne Robertson that was really, really good. So you see some of those guys, and i like, you're like, um, I've been against this since the beginning of August. So you're prepared for it. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I love about looking back. on, looking look back at these guys who are just – monsters of men and know that I was able to stand toe to toe, you know, bang, laying with them and hold my own a little bit. Um, you know, it was freaking awesome.
1: He asked, what kind of player did you prefer to block on the interior? You mentioned Anderson. He said him or a Davis or someone like a Sullivan or a Wyatt.
2: Give me the monsters, man. Give me those big, huge guys all day long, because you know what they're going to do. They're <laughs> going to try to hit you and throw you out of the way. But if you get your hands on them, like, here's a question. I'll see how good you guys are with football. All right. Honest question. It's not rhetorical. Why did God create shoulder pads?
1: To hold. Huh? To hold.
2: Yes. So, offense linemen can grab them. That's the only reason shoulder pads were created. So, you can grab them right here. So, you know, those big guys, man, you know where it's at. The target's coming straight at you. And you just got to withstand the barrage – of 3,000 pounds of man trying to knock your head off. You can grab their shoulder pads and grab that chest plate. They're done. But you get those little stumps, those Devontae Wyatts, who, by the way, Devontae Wyatt is like 6'4", 320. He's an enormous human being. But those guys, that low center grab, that can move side to side. And Oh, by the way, and they're also ridiculously strong, and they can beat you two or three different ways. Like, those guys are the problems.
0: Yeah, he also played running back, too. You know, But I'm with you. Uh, I remember – our coaches back on from ever since we were little kids. They they didn't call up shoulder pads and called it a steering wheel. If you're the offensive yeah. line, grab his steering wheel. I'm like,
1: great. Hey. Uh, he said, yeah. "Are you glad that uh, that team in three didn't a gap blitz as much as Kirby likes to? Which would you rather see?"
2: <laughs> uh, I don't know if they did or not. So I can't. I don't know. If we i don't take Zinger's Zinger's word for it that that's the case. Um, you know, gap blitzes are fine, man. Like, as long as you know your assignment and the guy beside you knows what he's supposed to be doing, you know, those guys are easy to block because they're just trying to run past you. <clears throat> but um, the thing Kirby's done so well is disguise it, confuses those guys and makes it look like you're doing one thing and give you something else. So uh, chaos is the name of the game for a defensive line. And Kirby does a really, really good job of that with the blitzes they mix in. So, yeah, that's tough, man.
0: I want to I want to bring up one point there and Dane, I'm sure you guys have seen this on the film. How many times when you see that a a gap blitz, the center and the guard are looking this way and the guy's going that way or looking this way? There's it's almost like they got, hey, here's a something to look at over here, you know, and that guy turns and as as he's shoulders parallel to the uh, side uh, sideline, there comes the go the Kobe Dean through there, who was kind of hiding. The stuff they scheme is second level. You know, I'm just very impressed by how, like you said, you don't see it coming, <laughs> which, which makes it all the more effective. And then you saw it on film all week long. You know they're going to do it. but on that play, you're like, oh, no, not this play. <laughs> two, your two,
1: yep, two more questions I wanted to ask you, Russ. One, all right. one thing I noticed on film last year, especially when there was some injury at guard, it's like Xavier Truss right now has got a lot of reps at, at right guard. Taller guy, longer, uh, I guess – Wingspan, and every it just takes up more space, right? The footwork between center and guard. I mean, it's almost like how do you avoid stepping on each other's feet the whole time? Mm. So, how do you develop that chemistry to not do that and screw up a play from the start?
2: A uh, lot of reps, and it still happens a lot. If your guard does a false step, and um, I would show you guys my toe, but I'm trying to let Roddy let me do more stuff with you guys on here. <laughs> so, I'm not going to show my toe and kill the subscribers. I've got a toenail that doesn't grow right to this day because of Max freaking Gene Gillis. He would always step with his left foot the wrong way and just crush my right big toe. And that toenail still hasn't recovered. I'm about to be a 40-year-old man. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's a, a lot of practice, a lot of reps, a lot of film. I mean, you sit there and watch film. Film was miserable when the coach is just pointing right there. Look at your foot. Look at your foot. Look at your foot. Look at your foot. And uh, you work that stuff, you just rep it over and over and over again until your step becomes a thing of habit, not something you even think about. So, you know, that goes back to the question, like, why you can't say we're going to win the Office Line of Year Award, whatever it's called, Joe Moore, I guess, or whatever yeah. it's called. Like, you don't know because those guys have got to learn to work in tandem. So...
1: United. Other question I had was about Jalen Carter because the consensus in the draft process is that Georgia had a number one overall defensive lineman, had two more defensive linemen go in the first round, and yet the best one of the group is still in Athens. How the hell do you block that guy as an offensive lineman?
2: It's hard, man. He's like we talked about a while ago the guys that you'd rather block. I mean, Jordan Davis is, a, is one of the biggest human beings I've ever been. He's a freak showing of an athlete. But ultimately, he's not going to go around you. He's hard to block. He's so freaking big, so freaking strong. But Jalen Carter is strong, and he's a freak athlete as far as side-to-side movement. And those guys that can keep their pad level low and go this way or go that way and get past you, and if you try to step the wrong way, they go through your chest, like they're a problem. That's what Jalen Carter is, man. If you watch him on film, it's, it's easy a lot of times for the average fan just to say, yeah, I don't get it. I've heard Dane and Brent say he's good on film. Well, watch the film study a little bit and actually watch what that guy does on a consistent basis and the trouble he gives an offensive line. Um, Jalen Carter is a special talent.
0: Like trying to block a dodge charger. It's just not going to happen. Can't do it.
1: William Ray says that Russ Tanner is a southerner and y'all other two, I need more convincing that Conyers and Covington is Atlanta and South Georgia is what keeps Georgia being Georgia. William, I'm from right beside where Russ Tanner's from, man. Like from if you've been if you've been over to Bruton, like there ain't nothing there except for us, my people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Who's telling me he's saying Conyers is Atlanta? I hate it. Yeah, Conyers is Atlanta now. <laughs> It wasn't in 1986. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't in nice. 1985. It was a 30-minute drive to Atlanta from Conyers.
1: Ain't that true. I can't tell you about Bruton in 1986,
0: Roddy, because I wasn't there. Yeah, I know. Youngins. Yep. Uh, now there's uh no, we, we had Rednecks back in Conyers. It is, it is now an Atlanta suburb. But then, of course, we also had some uh, bad you – know,
1: a- Athens is becoming an Atlanta suburb. Yeah, but. I mean uh, –
0: but then I, for the longest time, I had to tell people I was from Atlanta because they hey, "Are you from Conyers? Are you want to Wasn't there a documentary about nope, that? No, nope, nope, nope. nope, no documentary, <laughs> no nothing. Don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm from Atlanta. Which part? East Atlanta. <laughs> Just go at I-20. Conyers? I, what are you talking? Let's talk about something else. <laughs> so, all right, yeah, we got one, any more questions or are we done with it?
1: Uh, I think we're done for now. We'll have, we'll have to have Russ back on, though. And when we say check out his mortgage stuff, I can tell you he, he's helped me with my last two houses that we bought up in the Athens area. Like It was a fantastic process. I referenced a coworker that I think just closed on a house uh, last week. And so uh, he, he texted me and he said, Russ is so good and detailed and quick and efficient. This is not like a commercial that anyone asked me to do. I'm just telling you, the guys are really good at what he does. So if you need a mortgage, go check him out.
2: My man. And uh, I'm,
1: I'm also saying that because he's feeding me barbecue on Friday. I'm just saying.
2: Hey, there it is. Come on, baby. We're going to have um. it rocking and rolling.
0: All right, folks. Hey, I appreciate <laughs> everybody jumping on with us tonight uh, at 8 uh, o'clock. And Shout out to Coach Donnan, who, uh, again, would be more than happy to do the show, but I had to tell him, no, relax. Take the day off. You're traveling. And, and mainly it's just projection on my part because he's got more energy than I do. Uh, but I'm like, look, uh, if you've gotten up at 5 15 in the morning to catch a flight out to Oklahoma. You don't need to be doing the show at eight o'clock at night and spend some time with your family out there. But of course he, he's a pro. He wants to work. I'm like, no, let's uh, let's bring Russ in and make fun of him for an hour. And uh, we'll have coach John back on next week. So we will be back next Tuesday at noon. Coach John will be back. He's coming back on Monday. So uh, he'll be rested up and ready to do the show the following Tuesday. And we appreciate it. uh, Russ Tanner for joining us again, hit up his mortgage company. Can't you, you, you need it. If you need the service, why not go to a Georgia fan? Well, former Georgia player, a guy who... Hey, man, to we
2: can talk to
0: Yeah, he'll talk. He'll give you that. He says he doesn't know inside stuff. He does. He's our number one source. He tells us everything. That's how we break all those stories, Kirby. So, you know, be sure to cut him off. <laughs>
1: He's about to be getting a phone call. Hey, look
0: who's here. That's awesome. See, and you want to keep that kid fed. So you need to take your uh, mortgage... Needs to Russ Tanner because I'm telling you that boy's going to eat a lot. Look at him.
2: That's <laughs> a plate of Ch- go dogs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hi <laughs> right, everybody. We will see you guys next week. Thanks, Russ. We appreciate.